Welcome to Iconic, where we talk about all things 13th Age. I'm your host, JM, and with me as always are Nick and Mark. Hey, hello. Before we jump into it, I want to give a shout out to John, Rich, Clark, Michael, and Hrock for being patrons of the show. Uh, it's so awesome having um, listeners participate in the show in that way and support us and, and back us like if you as a listener are wanting to uh, get further involved in the show and express your appreciation and invest in us, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash iconic podcast. Well, we have a great show for you this week. Today we have an interview with Kat Tobin, the co-owner and managing director of Pelgrane Press. Kat, welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. We are very excited to have you on. You have been a big, big supporter of Iconic <laughs> and 13th Age. We're just, we're just thrilled here. So let's just get right into uh, the interview. How did you get into RPGs? Um, so it, I originally got into RPGs what seems now like a very long time ago. Um, I started off in college. Um, I'm from a very, very small town in rural Ireland. And so we didn't really have geekdom. This was back before the internet. Um, we didn't really have access to kind of geeky things, particularly. Um, so when I went to college in my nearest city of Cork, um, I had never come across, I'd never heard of role playing. And during my freshman week, um, our role playing society in my uni were giving out, um, they were giving out flyers for this game called Assassins, which was basically Steve Jackson's killer. Right. Um, I'd never heard of anything like that. I was like, what is this? This sounds really interesting. So I, I managed to persuade one of my housemates to go along to the first freshers night. And we went along and the people that we met there were like, oh, so, you know, what are you interested in? We were like, oh, we got this flyer and this sounds interesting. And they were like, okay, so go over there and sit in that corner and listen to that guy who's explaining everything. And I was like, okay. Um, so we went over and um, the guy that we were directed to uh, did a lot of explaining of uh, creative uh, anachronisms, because it was actually the Society for Creative Anachronisms meeting. Um, at okay. the time, they shared a space with the Role Playing Society. So I was like, "Oh, this is all very interesting." You know, I didn't realize there were people who did this kind of um, this kind of stuff. Um, and we we left after the the little presentation was over. And as I was walking back, my housemate was like, "Well, I, that's not really my thing." And I was like, "I thought it was kind of interesting." So I went back again the next freshers' night, and the person who had previously assigned me to the SEA was like, "Oh, you've came back," and I was like, "Yeah." And she was like, "Well, uh, do you do you want to play a game?" And I was like, "Yeah, that sounds cool." So she put me in a Star Trek game, and it was quite a new GM was running it, and it was all freshers were playing it, and the freshers who were playing it had no interest. We never saw any of them again. Oh no! And the GM, the GM was not great. Um, he was really. It was quite shy and it was quite stumbled over. So, it, I mean, it's still one of the worst games that I've ever played. Oh, no. <laughs> but I just remember sitting there and this is like, you know, showing my age here, but this was like 20 years ago. And I just remember sitting there going, well, this guy isn't great at running this game and these people aren't great at playing this game. But this concept, if you had a really good DM and really good players, this could be amazing. So, yeah, uh, long story short, I came back again the next night, got put into a different game with a fantastic GM who was running a Mega Traveler. And I haven't looked back. Yeah. Oh, man, Mega Traveler. <laughs> I haven't thought about that game in a while. Mm, I, I Traveler. <laughs> and you I spent three hours working like, on a character. 
Yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't know now how it seemed so. I think it was just because it was a group of really enthusiastic players and a really passionate and enthusiastic game. And, and that just, I mean, it doesn't, to a large extent, that really means that the system doesn't matter, you know, if you've got a great group of people together. We may have our genre preferences, but it really comes <laughs> down to the story we tell together. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I really, really believe that. Awesome. So what games uh, do you enjoy now? Um, <laughs> besides 13th Age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so besides, um, I, I'm really lucky in that I do actually genuinely enjoy most Pelagrain games, right? That's just, that's not a line. That's actually, they really appeal to the things that I'm interested in, in gaming. So I really, really enjoy um, games where you get to do a lot of in-character interaction. So whether it's in-character exploration of a world or in-character like dialogue and banter with the other characters, I really, really enjoy that side of gaming. And I also really, really like puzzles. Like I love to be kind of presented with a mystery and kind of going, oh, right. Okay, so I think I'm going to go to this space and talk to this person or go here and do this. So uh, kind of, I, I'm not a big fan of like really clunky, heavy mechanics. Um, and a lot of Elgrin games that's not what they are. They're all quite mechanics light and really they, they really focus on the narrative and focus on the characters, which are the, the type of games that I like playing. Excellent. So uh, what's currently being played at your table? Are you running anything or are you mainly a player or what does that look like? Um, so at the moment, we've just finished. So I'm, I'm currently in um, two different gaming groups and one of them, we've just finished a campaign in a Oh gosh, I'm trying to think. A transhumanist system called Nova Praxis, um, oh, yeah. and that was really interesting. It was quite kind of. It was a, the the guy who was running that had a, a a really strong philosophical story he wanted to tell about um working about cloning and about the kind of philosophy of that and the ethics of that. So that was a really really interesting game in terms of like being brought through his story and his kind of his universe essentially. Um, and we just finished that. So we're kind of, I'm running um, a very short kind of bridging trail campaign. And I'm calling it a campaign, but really it's really more like a one shot that lasts for like two or three games. <laughs> All deciding what longer term campaign we're going to play. Um, so yeah, that's going to be based on one of the Arkham Detective Tales um, adventures. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Now in general, do you prefer to be... Yeah, uh, behind the GM screen or around the table as a player. I'm. I think I'm definitely a player, um, which is which is quite fortunate actually, because it seems like everyone else in Pelgrane is a GM. So we often have a lot of kind of if when we get together, like who's going to run the game because everyone wants to run it. But I, I'm predominantly a player. I really really enjoy playing, um, and I will GM. But I know, like because we have such great GMs, I'm really conscious that they're all a lot more experienced than I am and a lot better able to run a game for fellow GMs than I am. So well, I tend to be on the play side more than the GM side. That's neat that in your guys' team, you've got a good balance with all of that. And I'll say yeah, that, you know, every uh, part of what makes a good GM, a good GM is good players. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and also kind of, I think, I think that for me, I'm, I quite like to have things very much planned out. So I, I run a lot of pre-written adventures if I am GMing more so than coming up with my own ones. So this, um, this spell thing that I'm doing, I'll be 
tacking on some of my own stuff, but largely running it in an expanded version from what's actually in the book. Very cool. Uh, how did you get into the industry and become co-owner of Pelgrim Press? Um, so the how I got into the industry kind of continues on from my how did I get into role-playing uh, answer, I think, because I was really, really, I, like I said, I just, from the first moment I, I played a role-playing game, I kind of went, this, I, I just, it blew my mind. I loved it. Um, so while I was in like in my first year in college, I was role playing like seven nights a week. Um, <laughs> and I got really, really heavily involved in the kind of role playing scene in, in Cork. Um, and I got also very involved in running our local uh, role playing convention, which is called WorkCon. Um, so I, I ran that in my third year in college. And but I had helped out. I was on the committee for it in previous years. And that was just kind of became the thing that I did. So I moved to Edinburgh and I got involved with running the role-playing convention in Edinburgh. And then when I moved back to Ireland again, um, I got involved with running a role-playing convention in London called Dragon Meat. And I was actually working with Cubicle 7, running that convention because they owned it at the time. And while I was there, I met um, Simon Rogers and... Um, he had, he had some issues with how things were set up and I helped him resolve them and we got talking and, um, I, I went to college with Gareth Hanran, um, okay. <laughs> a, a really big, um, Pelgrim writer. So he's, he's a very close friend of mine. So Gareth and I were, were kind of chatting after the convention and kind of Simon came up and started chatting as well. And he said that he was interested in running a Pelgrim convention. And I said, well, I, I run conventions. That's my thing. So, you know hit me up sometime and he was like oh, okay um, and then a, a month or two later he emailed me and asked me for uh, a cv and i said oh okay i didn't think that would go anywhere but fair enough so i sent him through um, a very targeted event management cv saying this is you know this is all my history at running events and he replied <laughs> he replied saying do you have any other skills and i was like uh, <laughs> uh, I make, I mean, I make great coffee, <laughs> you know, so I kind of said, it seems like you're, you know, is there something in particular you're looking for? And it was then that he told me that, um, my predecessor, uh, Beth was looking to leave the company and he was, he was going to have a job replacing her available. And he was kind of going, so you know, these would be the specs. So if you thought that would be something that would work for you, it would be great if you applied for it. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, I applied for your best job and I was willing to relocate to London, which I think gave me an advantage over a lot of US-based applicants for it. Um, and yeah, I moved to London um, and started working with Simon and just really kind of grown it up from there. Um, I mean, I hadn't done very much on the publishing side previously. It was mostly like role-playing events that I had done. But um, I, I did do some volunteer work when I was in Edinburgh with um, Contested Ground Studios who do A-State, Cool City and Hot War. Oh, I, yeah. kind of, I, knew, I knew a little bit about the industry from that as well, like the, the more publishing side of the industry. But yeah, mostly I've, it's largely my, my job has been learned on the job as a part. Um, and invented on the job. 
Very cool. Very cool. So it's incredible um, that how much your life can change with just a, a simple conversation like that. You know, mm-hmm. an offhand comment, hey, hit me up. And the next thing you know, you're yeah. you're, you're co-owning a very diverse set of uh, of games. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the the co-ownership as well was was something that um, was really quite unexpected because I was initially hired to do. I was hired as a project editor. That was my job title. Um, and after a couple of years, I'm. I'm not very, um, I've always been the kind of person where if you say, um, can you do this thing? I'll go, okay, so I've done this thing. But then while I was doing that, I saw that this thing over here also needed to be done. So I just (laughs) did that as well. Um, So I've kind of, so I basically grew arms and legs onto the job that I had been hired to do. Um, And after a couple of years, Simon kind of said to me, look, you know, you're really, very, very heavily involved in the running of the company. And, you know, I'm a bit concerned now that somebody might come along and poach you. So what would it take for you to, you know, what would it take for you to stay? And I kind of very offhandedly kind of said, oh, you'd have to give me half the company. And he was like, okay, right. I'll, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Why didn't I ask for more? <laughs> I know, I know. I was kind of, I know now I'm kind of going, gosh, if I'd known that's, you know, what it would take, but. Yeah, so it, it's kind of, like I said, from very early on, I've been, just everything about Pelgrane was perfect for me. You know, I really, really, like you said, it's a really diverse range of products that are really the type of games that I personally enjoy. Um, our team is just, it's such a great team. The people in it are fantastic. You know, it has like a really good reputation in the industry for just being a very ethical company and mm-hmm. a company that, that works really hard to do things well. Um, and to take care of people. And, you know, all of these these kind of elements just really, really appeal to me from, from the very start. It's just, you know, it, it really feels like I've kind of found my place in the world. That's that awesome. Sense. Yeah, it makes yeah. perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So in, in running uh, or in helping run Pelgrane, and they, they do have a very diverse line of, of gaming products, um, mm-hmm. What are some of the challenges in trying to um, coordinate the efforts across all of those very different sets, types of games? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that I, I think working in different markets is a big challenge. Um, like if you look at something like Thirteenth Age, and we've really seen this in terms of the numbers of the types of people who play Thirteenth Age are not necessarily going to be playing any of our other games. You know, they're more. Mm-hmm. They're much more kind of F20 fans. So they play, they might play, you know, um, other editions of D&D or they might play Pathfinder, but they're not so much going to be interested in our gumshoe games. And then the people that play our gumshoe games, some of them will play 13th Age and some of them will play our kind of story games, but generally speaking, they're their own little kind of bubble as well. And then our kind of, our more story-focused games, so things like Seven Wonders and Hashtag Feminism, Again, that's a completely different audience. And they quite rarely play the kind of F20 games like 13th Age. So I think managing those different audiences is one of the big challenges, kind of trying to target your efforts to different people and knowing that you're not you're not trying to please everyone with everything and really appreciating that you need to target the audiences differently. Is a that that's a big challenge, and I think another thing as well is the design of it. Um, so, 
the the way that we commission art and cartography for 13th Age is quite different to how we do it for the rest of the company. I mean, Rob is really quite involved in he's he's really passionate about 13th Age. It's really it's his baby. And he's keen to make sure that it's as good as we can possibly get it. Um, and that covers everything from all the way from the, the writing and design down to the art, cartography and lead. So we almost run 13th Age production in parallel to the production on the rest of our games. So that can be a challenge in terms of having working with twice as many artists, working with twice as many layout people and designers um, and having these kind of little bubbles of people who can work on this product, but not necessarily on our other products. So it means that we need to kind of recruit more freelancers um, because the, the lines are so different. Very cool. Hmm. Now, how do you handle all of the angry letters uh, leveled at Gareth for all of the people that <laughs> all the characters that he's killed across all of the game lines? <laughs> um, we've, I've said this before in public, but I'm always happy to say it again. Our 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 customers, the people who like our games, are the best people awesome. in the industry. Easily, I mean, they're just we get so few, so very very few angry letters. Um, it's just, I, you know, people are really, really patient with us. I think they appreciate what a small company we are. So they're really patient with us in terms of how quickly we can get books out in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, when there are delays on um, producing things or when we make commitments that something happens and we can't, um, you know, we can't deliver on those, you know, there. Our customers are just incredibly patient, incredibly loyal, and just really supportive and great people. So, yeah, that's that's another fantastic thing about working at Belgrade is just that our 13th Age fans are really enthusiastic and keen, and the rest of our, our products, the people that like them, are just they're just great people. Well, Mark and I are, in addition to 13th Age fans, we're also Nice Black Agents fans. So, mm. yep. yeah, yeah. So did, did you back the Dracula dossier Kickstarter? I unfortunately did not. I've picked it up on PDF since then. So yeah, um, um, I think next Gen yeah. Con, that'll be one of my my targeted purchases. So <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, that's a, a perfect example of, of what I mean about this, our, our Kickstarter backers as well. Like, just really, really supportive and enthusiastic and encouraging of us more so than... You know, I see a lot of people who have Kickstarters, especially if they're delayed or whatever. Um, and the, the Kickstarter backers get quite angry and, and frustrated, mm-hmm. understandably. Um, but our, yeah, our Kickstarter backers are also, they're just fantastic people. And really supportive. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, as mm-hmm. as fans, I'm I'm glad to hear that the general love that I have encountered for 13th age is not just localized, but it's traveling back up, upline. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we mentioned, you have a, Pelgrane is a, a very diverse group of products, which would you say is the nearest to your heart or the one that is kind of your, the one that you, you know, I, I know it might be hard picking a favorite of all of the children, but which child in, you know, <laughs> <laughs> which is my favorite, which child. is your favorite child? <laughs> Um, it, that actually is really, really difficult. 
Um, I have, because of the the types of games I, I generally play outside of Palgrave games, I have a kind of a very strong love for Hill Folk and the drama system. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, I and I, I find it's really influenced how I think about games and how I think about game design a lot because the the base concepts are so intuitive and just so consistently do what they intend to do in terms of generating intercharacter play um, that I just I just think it's a fantastic system and the range of worlds that you can run it in the range of settings available is um, it really appeals to my kind of my liking to have new shiny things to play all the time kind of thing. So yeah, I'm definitely I'm I'm very very fond of of Hillfolk and the drama system. But then I love Trail as well. And like we did a Trail of Cthulhu book called Cthulhu City last year, and I really like that. It's an amalgamation of all of Lovecraft's um, kind of New England cities. And again, it was working with Gareth, who's just I love his writing so much, and it just kind of it's just a really lovely kind of a setting and background book and really, really flavorful. Um, yeah, it's, but then I was very heavily involved with our story game anthology, Seven Wonders. And so that kind of, because I basically kind of conceived of that and commissioned it from zero to an existing final book. Um, that's probably the closest to my heart in terms of like, I feel like I've given that the most of myself out of all of our, our different products. But then we recently published Hashtag Feminism, which is a collection. Um, it's an anthology of short feminist-themed games, mm-hmm. and I just love that as well. It, we weren't involved in any way in the production of it, but that's a gorgeous-looking book, and the games are really strong, and they generate really fascinating conversations afterwards, like in terms of kind of how you, what you felt during the play which I find really interesting. So, and then the Dracula dossier, again, I put so much kind of blood, sweat and tears into that. Um, I don't know if you've heard the story of the Hawkins papers, we basically created 500 sets of individually hand-aged maps and documents and stickers, and, and, and it just took months and months and months um, to pull it together. So, you know, that's you know, probably one of my kind of biggest achievements, I guess, at Paul Green is pulling all of that together and making that happen. Um, also, arguably, one of my greatest failings at Paul Green was <laughs> pledging to actually do that. In the first <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I've read through I've read through the PDFs of it, and it is spectacular i love knights black agents i love trail of cthulhu and that's probably going to be what tips me over the edge from just kind of reading and enjoying and and picking the system apart and taking bits to other other places and actually getting a group of doom players together to uh to play through that yeah so it's it's kind of so in short i i actually can't in any way choose <laughs> between my children i love them all very very much <laughs> Book of Ages as well. Again, it's a, a Gareth kind of a setting book. And I just, I, I going through that, I, I don't know if I said that to you, John Matthew, but, but it just, I, every five minutes I was like, oh, I could run a campaign of this or I could run a campaign of this. And that's not usually how I think, but it's just such as, there are just so many gems 
of kind of inspiration in that book. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it really, it really is. We were, when we did our review of it, that was kind of our takeaway too, that every page just makes you want to run 13th age more. Yeah, it really does. So when you're looking ahead at, um, in general, the RPG industry and specifically Pelgrane uh, Press, um, what upcoming products um, or, or movements are you most excited about? Hmm. Um, I think that in terms of the, the kind of broadly the industry, I'm, I'm watching the kind of movement to Twitch quite closely mm-hmm. because that's kind of, again, I, as somebody who's been role-playing for like, you know, more than 20 years now, that's a very new and very different um, way of discovering role-playing games, um, interacting with role-playing games and consuming role-playing games. So I, I think that's going to be a really big change for everyone in the industry um, mm. because the, the, the people who are primarily focused on Twitch aren't necessarily intersecting so much with the industry as it is. And I don't know what that's going to mean. But it's, I'm really excited by the new audiences that these really big kind of Twitch and YouTube streams are reaching and the new people that they're bringing into gaming and getting enthusiastic and excited about gaming. So I think that's, you know, that's a, a big trend that we we certainly in Pelgrane haven't started dabbling in yet, but are, are certainly looking at how we would go about doing that. Um but in, in terms of like individual games that are coming out, um, our colleagues over at Atlas are always doing really interesting things. Um, and certainly they're doing the kind of games that appeal to me. Um, so they're doing things like uh, Jonathan Tweets Over the Edge, mm-hmm. which was one of the one of the first, um, I guess, kind of non-genre, kind of um, non-genre, quite free-form, very narrative-focused role-playing game that I played um, and I played it a very long time ago in college and I recently ran um, a LARP which was based in um, in Al Al Amaraj Amaraj I can never I I am the same way I can read it and identify it and I can never pronounce it but but, but you know where you know where I'm talking about that mysterious island Al Amaraj um yeah, so that's, you know, that's a really interesting thing. They're also working on an adaptation of um, Ars Magica um, with a gumshoe version of Ars Magica, which I'm not sure where that is at the moment, but I'm really excited about that. I played a very long Ars Magica campaign again in college, and I, I really, really liked the system, the kind of the playing, um, playing the servants and the kind of non-magic users as well as playing the magicians mm-hmm. who are more cloistered kind of non-active characters you know i really like that kind of troop play aspect to it so i'm really excited to see how, where that goes um and they're they're working on something else as well that unknown armies as well is another game that i just loved because um, again it really appeals to my kind of mystery solving kind of urban fantasy kind of aesthetic so well have you gotten to play unknown armies 3 yet i have not no i backed the kickstarter at the the kind of getting the physical books level i actually thought i had backed it at the getting the box the little slipcase thing but then 
I didn't get the slipcase, but I have the books. So I backed it at that level, but I still haven't had a chance to play it. And I'm really, really keen to. Oh, the character creation is so unique and just, just amazing in, (laughs) I mean, almost like you're building a conspiracy board as you build the group, which is fantastic. (laughs) Like just amazing. Yeah. Because I, I, I really liked that. I think the previous ones, um, the character generation was, was inspired. You you could derive inspiration from astrology in the mm-hmm. previous character generation. I really like that. I found that quite intuitive. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how it plays. But I haven't found anyone that I can bully into running it for me yet. So, Kat, uh, mm-hmm. what do you like about 13th Age? What would make you want to play it as a player? Um, so... Connecting in with what I've said about other games that I enjoy, I think the story game elements are are what really appeals to me about it. Um, I really like that its primary focus is on the characters and on the story that you're telling, as opposed to on, say, you know, your dice rolls or your kind of, you know, extended multi-error hex mapped kind of combat. So it's much more, when I played it, it's been much more kind of free-flowing and much more smooth and slick than other D20 fantasy games that I've played. Um, so you really live I, for the uh, the travel montages then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like those. Um, yeah, because it's it's just kind of, it seem, it's one of those things that you go, oh gosh, why don't, you know, you can really import it into other games, mm-hmm. which, which I have done ever since I kind of came across it. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. So you tell me a thing that, you know, that happened while you were walking through these woods. Fantastic. And again, as a person who's not a very strong GM, I I find putting, you know, offering that part of the world building to the players, I re- I really appreciate that, um, from from both the GM side but also the play side, because you do get to to really put your own mark on the game and really kind of direct the game in the way that you as a player are interested in seeing it go. And the backgrounds as well are another aspect to that, you know, they're like, instead of kind of just assigning points or whatever, you know, actually having that narrative background to your character and kind of saying, this is who my character is and this is where they've come from. And obviously the one unique thing as well connects Mm -hmm. into that, you know, it's all, it's all collaborative world building, essentially. It's kind of saying, these are the things that I'm really interested in seeing in this game. And they give the GM a lot of kind of hooks to to bring you into the game and keep you engaged with it. I, I really, really appreciate that aspect of it. So when this episode releases, this will be about a week old. But uh, Wade, I don't know if you saw his his tweet where he was running at a library, I think, and uh, a D and D player came up because he thought they were playing Fifth Edition, and Wade got got him in there, and the guy wanted to be. He's like, are there dark elf sorcerers in the world? And basically the conversation came out that like, you can be the only one if that's what you want. Well, don't they exist? Well, they do, unless you specifically say that you're the only one. And it kind of like opened up this whole new conversation about gaming for this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly it. You know, it's just, there are so many really strong design elements in 13th age to get, to generate that story and get that story going and keep it flowing as well. You know, like I love things like the escalation dice and just how how it just guarantees that you are not going to get bogged down in combat, which is a, a thing that I really don't have much patience for. <laughs> right. 
I've just I've been in you know again having come from a kind of a mega traveler and uh, I've played role master as well which I think was kind of the worst for it oh man um, so yeah so coming out of that whole kind of you know those those older games that had those really kind of labor intensive and time consuming kind of combats I, I just really appreciate how 30 pages like yeah let's get let's make sure that we stay focused on telling the story rather than rolling some dice very cool. So is there anything you can share with us about what is coming down the pipeline for 13th Age? Um, so what we're working on at the moment, and I say this kind of cautiously, knowing that we have been working on it for quite a few years now, um, what we're proactively currently working on is Shards of the Broken Sky. Um, so, yeah. So we originally, like Ash wrote this, two or three years ago, I think now. Um, and what actually happened with it was that like Ash is such, he's such a great writer, but he loves 13th Age so much that if you say, hey, Ash, write a 13th Age book, he will write five of them in one book. <laughs> <laughs> so, he basically, so he basically delivered a manuscript that was literally about five times longer than we could conceivably publish it as. So it's been a very long process of getting that manuscript to, and Rob has been largely working on this, of getting that manuscript to a place where it's actually manageable to publish as a book. Um, And then we had, um, Ash also did all of the cartography, uh, the kind of cartography notes for it. And there are some very interesting maps in it. You know, a lot of them are quite three-dimensional so writing up art notes for a three-dimensional map and then working with artists and cartographers to get a map that is functional in three dimensions, that has also been really challenging. But we're, we're finally now kind of well down the, the pipe in terms of having this done. So I'm really, really hoping that we'll have that on pre-order towards the end of the year. Um, so yeah, so it's a, just a giant sandbox um, adventure area kind of a one of the art art mages flying realms is basically crashed to earth and then depending on what your icon relationships are you'll have different kind of goals and different things that you're trying to achieve with that um so yeah so i think people are really i think people have been really excited about the idea of shards for like i said for a couple of years now and it's really it's going to be great to finally be able to deliver it uh, that is very very exciting yeah, so that's that should be coming up hopefully towards the end of 2018. And then coming up in 2019, I think that we are definitely going to be doing um, a book called Icon Followers, um, which is one of Rob's kind of uh, personal pet projects. Um, so that's going to be quite similar to the bestiary, but for NPCs and for organizations devoted to the icons. So it's going to kind of have big collections of NPCs and organizations will be icon themed. So that we're kind of hoping to have out kind of towards the middle of next year, 2019. Very cool. Um, we had a, a meeting recently where we kind of picked, tossed around another couple of ideas. So someone has actually pitched us um, a book that I think sounds really good fun called Gangs of Drakenhall. So it's like street level gangs in the blues, bloody city of monsters is the kind of elevator pitch for it. Um, and that, that would be quite a short book as well. So oh, just I lots like of that. kind of. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and then we're really keen. Gareth really wants to write something else. Um, and we're really keen to get him to write something else. So he's pitched an idea called Dragons of the Pyre, which would kind of be an Eyes of the Stone Thief-sized um, epic campaign about dragons. So you'd start off at level one, and then over the course of the campaign, you'd play an adventure that would kind of um, escalate you to each level um, up the level 10. But the, the whole kind of, your one unique thing would be that you'd have a soul of a dragon, and then you would invent your kind of unique dragon. Um, it, it sounds great, but I know that Gareth is writing it, so you're yeah. going to die. You're going to die. Like four or five. We have we have this running joke uh, on Iconic that we're just going to we're going to one day uh, buy GarethKilledMyCharacter.com and uh, list all of the adventures that he has done and make it like a form so like people can see. Oh man, like 600 people got killed in Eyes of the Stone Thief. Should I buy this adventure? Probably. Um, that would be awesome. He would really love that. <laughs> um, actually, speaking of Eyes of the Stone Thief, another kind of an idea that we're kind of tossing around is um, a book of living dungeons. Um, so that would have like some advice for creating lots of different types of living dungeons, how do you use them in campaigns, you know, kind of integrating them with icons and how you generate them on the fly. And, and also kind of the consequences of having living dungeons in the Dragon Empire and how all of that looks. Uh, could you put a bug, put a bug in Gareth's ear about an undead living dungeon? <laughs> an undead living dungeon. An undead dungeon. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I'm writing that. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm I'm making a note of that right here. You know, awesome. Lich King's influence. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that- those are kind of those are kind of things that we're you know. We always say that the problem that we have is that we have too many ideas and not enough time to find more people to kind of put them all together. So we know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> well, and what you've outlined, um, I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, I mean, I'm I'm gung ho on Thirteenth Age, but um, and I knew that Shards was coming out, and I was I've been really excited about that. Uh, looking forward to that for the last couple of years. Um, but the other stuff that you're describing has, has definitely wet my whistle. That's if you yeah, will. <laughs> I'm very excited. So, um, but to, to kind of bring things to a close, uh, we have kind of adopted the White Dragon as our mascot. Uh, recognizing that its history, who it is, uh, what happened to it, where it's at now is is all kind of uh, shrouded in mystery right now. So mm. at at your table, who was the dragon? What was its story? And uh, where is it? He, she. Hmm. Gosh, that's a, that's a really tough question. Um, so I kind of, I, I do like the idea of it being reanimated as like a dragon lich. I like that a lot. Um, so I think that probably that is, if I were going to use it, that is what I would do with that. But I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about kind of committing too much. You know, I always feel like those kind of mysterious, um, the kind of mysterious creatures that are put into books, I like them being kept mysterious rather than saying, well, this is definitely how... This is definitely where it would go or what it would do, um, but yeah, I think that I, I think that I would definitely have it being, you know, flying around the place, being undead, maybe building armies to try and get revenge <laughs> on somebody. So, are you thinking like an ally of uh, the Lich King? 
Yeah, maybe so. You can build it up with your book of ages. That's right. Again, going through the book of ages, that's that's another kind of a that's another place that, that we kind of took it a bit and moved it on. Um yeah, so I think that is probably the direction I'd go with it. Very cool. Well, Kat, thank you so much for coming on Iconic. And um, do you have any final thoughts, any final uh, comments you'd like to share with the listeners? Um, I just want to say keep listening. And uh, thank you so much to to you guys at the Iconic Podcast for being such strong supporters of 13th Age. We, we really appreciate it. And, you know, we're always keen to hear what you guys think about what we're doing and stuff. So, you know. Find us on social media, follow us and talk to us about talk to us about your games, tell us what you're doing and how you're using 13th Age. We just love hearing that. Uh, I ran 13th Age at Gen Con a couple of years back and you you literally gave us all t-shirts that said, tell me your one unique thing, like inviting people yeah. to tell us about your character. And I was like, that that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. We're I mean, well, we you know, we do this for for the people who are buying 13th Age and who are playing it and running it. So you know, it's we really, really keen to hear what their experiences at the table are like. Well, Kat, thank you so much. This was a blast, and hopefully, we can uh, we can do it again uh, in the future. Yeah, that would be awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Well, you've been listening to the Iconic Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can contact us at iconicpodcast at gmail.com or call and leave a voicemail at 720-924-1706. And be sure to check out iconicpodcast.com for news, updates, and new episodes. Thanks for listening.